0: welcome to the scandinavian mind podcast our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries today on the program what's going on at helsinki design week we are in the finnish capital to visit the design fair habitare and the rest of the events around town we have been talking to designers and entrepreneurs about the role of new regulations in procurement, the rise of new innovations, and why academia plays such a big role in the Finnish design community. Among the people we will hear from in this episode is Marianne Goebel, managing director at Artek; Hilda Rantanen, co-founder and CEO of Material Listing, Ervin Latimer, founder of Latimer, and Kasper Vissers, CEO of Basta. My name is Kondal Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind. And with me is my dear colleague Johan Magnusson, calling in from our favorite town, Helsinki. How are you, Johan?
1: I'm very good, thank you. Um, uh, The Nordic tour continues. You just went to Oslo and uh, here we are from Helsinki. A a week full of uh, events, exhibitions, trade fairs and such.
0: I have to correct myself uh, as well. I just went to Oslo, and I think Oslo is is coming up there as a favorite town. I thought it was a beautiful event uh, last week during Designer Saturday, experiencing everything uh, that happening in the Nord in the Norwegian capital. Uh, new designers, new innovation companies, a lot of talk about sustainability. But let's just call it a rise of kind of Nordic design at the beginning of the season. Uh, I feel like it's, it's a really strong wave. We also had. Uh, the pop-up edition of Stockholm Design Week uh, happening before that, but let's talk Helsinki. Uh, what are your initial impressions from from this edition of, of Helsinki Design Week? You want
1: quite many. Um, we've had the time to exper- <coughs> experience a lot of uh, uh, different uh, activities and, and such, but uh, in general, uh, we continue to see a slow rise for innovation and sustainability and. Uh, it's clear that um, coming new legislation is already affecting um, the daily operations and uh, how designers and entrepreneurs uh, need to um, rethink their, uh, yeah, their establishment, their, their ventures in order to stay mm. relevant mm. and uh, that is of course driven by the young entrepreneurs, the startups the design students uh, now about to enter a very very competitive uh, market, um, and um, so so many other times, um, the younger generation is taking over and changing things to the better.
0: For sure, for sure, uh, I f- I feel exactly the same thing, and it's interesting because we've talked so much uh, on this uh, podcast about the regulations happening for the fashion industry, but it's interesting interesting to see that that the same thing is kind of. Uh, uh, it's a wave coming towards the design and furniture industry as well. There's a lot of discussion around that. And, and with that, also a lot of kind of insecurity and, and worry as well. Uh, but as you mentioned, I think the role of the designer also is, is changing due to this. Uh, designers have so much uh, more to sort of account for um what they sort of the the role of the design decision is 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 really changing uh, do you see the same thing in helsinki
1: definitely like 10 15 years ago you were a designer now you're an entrepreneur and you need to stay updated on the regulations you need to uh, to take care of your uh, four or five social media accounts so it's a, a a lot more variation uh, in um, in a des- designer's life now. So I'm quite quite impressed. I, I wonder how many hours they have per day.
0: Exactly, the, the the toolkit has definitely expanded for design entrepreneurs. All right, we have a string of people you've been talking to around town uh, this week in Helsinki. So let's just uh, dive into it. Um, it, it, the first one is Marianne Goebel, the managing director of Artec, legendary Finnish um, design company. Uh, tell me, what was the setting like when you met with the Marianne?
1: Of course, uh, every time you're in Helsinki, no, no matter the topic basically, but of course even more during design week, uh, the legacy of Alto is always present and uh, perhaps even more so now. Uh, he, uh, we're celebrating—or not we, but uh, yeah, yeah—we can say we are celebrating uh, his 125th uh, anniversary. So last night yeah. uh, we went to Studio Alto, uh, his uh, design studio, or the 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 the, couple, the Alto Couples Design Studio, uh, for a dinner to celebrate his uh, legacy. And of course, uh, if we were to pick one brand uh, uh, connected to Alto, that would be Artec. And for them, it's also very special because, as Marianne will mention, uh, Stool 60, the the icon, uh, is celebrating its uh, 90th anniversary. So they also celebrate this year.
0: Wow, good stuff. All right, let's get into it. Here's Marianne Göbel, Managing Director at Artec.
1: And for Artec, it's a special year this year. what, What can you say, the Jubilee?
2: Uh, it, it is indeed. We're celebrating 90 years of Stool 60, um, the humble wooden stool, but maybe also the most essential pieces of modern furniture.
1: How important is it for you?
2: It's quite important for us because I think Stool 60 is a bit symbolic for what Artec stands for. It was, uh, it's, uh, it's really the core of our, our collection. And so we've been celebrating with many different activities and also anniversary editions.
1: Yeah, you invited uh, Forma Fantasma to curate a special range. Uh, what can you say about it?
2: Uh, it's actually, it started actually as a research project. So we've been working with Forma Phantasma for about three years now to get a better understanding of the Finnish forest, uh, which is our ecosystem, if you want, because um, Arctic produces the majority of the furniture still in Finland from Finnish wood. And uh, so from this collaboration with them, we learned um, how to embrace, better embrace the diversity of the forest and use more of the forest to make long-lasting products. And the result is that we are actually um, widening our selection, wood selection. So if you look around in the furniture industry today, most pieces of furniture are very homogenous. They don't show any traces uh, of nature, no natural features like knots or insect trails or... Core darker wood Um, and uh, we have come to the conclusion that this is a bit of a problem because it means that a lot of the tree is not being used for long lasting products and so we have defined a new wood selection we call it wild birch because it's a much more vivid um, uh, selection of the wood that we're using now and we we showed it first this week uh, during Helsinki Design Week on, on Stool 60
1: What's your view on the week? How has it been, the reception for the launch and the week in general?
2: It's full of energy. It's always at this back-to-school uh, mm-hmm. moment uh, at, at after, after the summer. And I think there's a lot of interesting activities all over town. It feels, yeah, it's full of energy. Many people, as international crowd, but also um, what I love about this design week is that it really in, in, involves also the, the local uh, community. Um, so, so far, we've had very positive resonance on our new wood selection. Actually, we speak about it as a new aesthetic of sustainability because yeah. if you want to use more of the forest in a meaningful way, you also have to change your uh, yeah, aesthetic uh, aspect- expectations.
1: Has the research project with Forma Fantasma finished now with this launch or will you continue the project?
2: No, we are st- still continuing. So we have now defined the selection for the stool, but we are working on expanding it also to other uh, products in our range. So it's an it's an ongoing collaboration.
0: All right, that was Marianne Göbel, managing director at Artec. All right, our next guest is Hilda Rantanen, co-founder of and CEO of Material Listing. What is Material Listing? You want.
1: We had a full day at uh, Habitare, the leading interior design fair uh, here in Helsinki, Mm. and um, one of the highlights is always the materials exhibition, which is also showcased at Salone in Milan uh, by Habitare. And um, this year, um, the exhibition uh, was also uh, co-organized by this new um, startup, Material Listing. They've been around for a little bit over than a year, and it's a platform. Platform service uh, helping um, professionals uh, in this um, flood of uh, new materials, because they have so much to take care of now, given, of course, public procurements and uh, uh, contracts, if we're talking about like the contract market, the professional market. So Mm. a a guide here is uh, quite well needed. And um, she's also one of the few who um, dived into the EU regulation because it's not a topic that you discuss. I think we'll hear a lot more about it in this uh, industry sector in a year uh, from now because it will um, become reality for so many. It it will affect so many in the industry. But uh, Hilda had some insights to share already now.
0: Wonderful. So thanks to the probing questions of the Scandinavian Mind uh, reporting team, we are talking again about the EU regulations. Here now is Hilda Rantanen, co-founder and CEO of Material Listening.
1: How can you help uh, designers, interior architects, the industry in their daily operations?
3: Well, the requirements to make better decisions environmental-wise is, is really... Um, signing fast, both from the legal side of things and also the market side, Uh, so this is what we can help with. We want to bring the information that is nowadays very scattered and very hard to understand, such as EPDs and so forth. Uh, We want to bring that information uh, to the designers in a form that is easy to understand and compare and then utilize in their work and we're developing a platform service for this.
1: You recently launched you're in the pilot phase. What has the feedback been since, uh, yeah, this pre-launch?
3: Yeah, uh, so we are in a pilot phase, as you said, and uh, we have funded the company in December 21, and uh, it's it's been going good. We're still developing, and we are looking into or looking forward to uh, launching uh, in, in a wider way uh, during this year or in in a half a year. And um, yeah, the feedback has to be very good, actually. And, and the need for this is very apparent. And at the moment, we are rapidly uh, expanding the platform in a way that we are adding more materials and, and more features uh, to utilize the data. And, and this is something that has been greatly missed.
1: From your perspective, what are the keys in order to lower the environmental impact uh, for a client uh, reaching out to you?
3: Uh, well, I think. Uh, you have to take it into consideration from the very uh, first start that you have in your project, whatever uh, like stage of the project that is. From uh, like In the beginning of the project, the um, like value these decisions have is the greatest. Uh, so, so what kind of goals you set and how you can measure achieving to- those goals. That's kind of the main main point and um, nowadays it's it's very important to use materials that uh, have a low impact on nature uh, and uh, possibly even have a like a handprint that has something uh, of good value added uh, through the material to the the design itself Uh, but yeah i think uh, it's it's better to start Earlier and, and the earlier you can start uh, to discover these things about your plans and, and incorporate the data into your plans, the better.
1: For you as a platform, uh, what have been the main challenges when developing it?
3: Uh, finding and adding the data, uh, because as I said, it's very scattered at the moment. And uh, we kind of uh, bring it all together and into a form where it's comparable and so it's actually useful. Uh, so that's the challenge that we are tackling uh, for the designers. So, of course, that's a big challenge, uh, but um, we are moving forward b- with it, and everything is going pretty much as we planned in the in the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bumpy ride <laughs> because uh the whole field is developing so fast and we have uh changes in uh EU regulation and and so forth. So so uh the field is changing and we need to stay afloat <laughs> so to say.
1: Does the industry talk uh, enough of the coming uh, EU regulations, you think?
3: Um it's beginning to, I'd say. Now that it's actually starting to affect, like in Sweden, I think it's already uh, in your new building law, actually. Uh, We in Finland, we are getting a new building law starting from January 25, which is pretty similar to yours in Sweden, uh, in a sense. So, yeah, I think uh, these are changes that are going to affect the day-to-day life, so to say, uh, of designers, and and so it, it comes really close through that. But also uh, from the market, um, companies who who manage buildings or, or, or developers or um, the owners owners of the real estate, uh, they need to report uh, on their sustainability issues and, and aspects, and so they need some kind of proof of how, for example, uh, their development uh, actions have. I don't know, affected uh, the nature. And uh, this is data that they need to have. And at the moment, for example, interior changes are not considered anyway, like anywhere. And uh, yeah, this is something that we can help with too.
0: All right, that was Hilda Rantanen, uh, founder of Material Listing. Moving on to... uh, one of our good friends, Ervin Lantimer, founder of the fashion brand Lantimer. So we've had Ervin on our show and on our several of our, our panels. He's kind of a, one of the leading figures in the in the Finnish design community. Uh, but to me, he's a fashion designer. What's he doing at Design Week, want
1: The Design Week uh, is also quite a lot about fashion. So um, the mm. two worlds are merging and... Um, He's presenting um, a bag collection together with uh, Mifuku, and he'll explain a lot more why that di- did come to life. But uh, I met Mifuku at last year's Habitat when I was here back then, and uh, right, it's it's quite mesmerizing uh, how they are such a leader in social sustainability. Uh, not only like a fair trade certification, but they're really going full circle uh, in their daily operations. Uh, Really helping um, their employers uh, in order to improve, uh, be able to improve their life.
0: I feel like everything is is, is getting kind of the king of collabs in, in in Helsinki. We saw him during the the Fashion Days uh, in in May as well, uh, doing a, a big collaboration with one of the bigger sort of commercial retailers in in Helsinki. What's the role, do you think, of of these types of collaborations for for designers in in uh, in Helsinki and maybe the Nordics?
1: I think it's uh, part of an e- ecosystem because the the Finns they care so much about uh, their local market, and then now mm. the young entrepreneurs uh, they have been we've discussed this several times before, but uh, they they have been uh, become really good in uh, teaming up with the uh, the bigger heritage brands, and uh, that could be in order to of course. The, the main reason why you maybe do a collab in general, uh, no matter the sector, to to like uh, reintroduce like a heritage brand and make it cool again, and that of course uh, mm. can can uh, in that um, process uh, a young up and coming designer can play a crucial part. But it can also be a way for the young younger designer uh, to um, to finance the venture, of course. Mm. So uh, it goes both ways. Yeah.
0: All right, let's hear it. Here is Erwin Latimer, founder of the fashion brand Latimer.
1: Last spring you launched a collab with the K City Market, which we saw at Fashion in Helsinki. And this week you present a new collaboration. What can you say about your partnering brand and the line?
4: Yeah, so we're presenting this week my collaboration with uh, accessory and home decor brand Mifuko. Uh They're a fair trade certified uh, label that works with uh, female artisans in several countries in Africa for example Ur- Uruguay and Kenya and basically what we're lodging is sort of my uh, I designed uh, a few accessories for them. So uh, there's a couple of different sized bags. Uh, we kind of developed this a very specific uh, weaving technique with uh, wool fringes in the bags. And the wool that we use in the bags is uh, 100% recycled. Um, and it was just this really great project of like kind of respecting the talent of the artisans locally there and kind of... Finding me kind of setting a goal and then finding a way for them to achieve that goal in the kind of traditional techniques that they have.
1: We met uh, Mifuko last year at uh, Habitat. Super impressed by their um, sustainability work. It's uh, next level. How did your collab come to life?
4: Yeah, it's obviously super important for me and it's quite impressive what they're able to do and the certifications that they have both for their products and for their operations. So so that was super vital. Uh, we worked with them in our fall-winter 23 collection for Latimia We kind of reworked uh, kind of like uh, off-sized or second quality pieces and m- kind of made these unique bags with them. And it was a really natural, it was a really natural process. I think they reached out to us and we knew that we kind of share the values. It was really like easy and breezy, if I can say that, and it was very natural for us to kind of continue collaborating now more with actually designing, designing new pieces for their collaboration, uh, for their collection, sorry.
1: We've followed your work uh, for a bunch of years now, but you're still quite new into the industry. Have you also learned anything from uh, Mifuku when partnering with them in terms of sustainability that you can uh, use in your daily operations?
4: Uh, For sure. I mean, there's... uh, I think the main thing that I really enjoy with working with them is kind of learning these slower processes. and Learning these processes where you're really respecting the materials and techniques that are available to you. So they, you know, they only work with materials that are locally available, that are natural, uh, uh, with these kind of um, traditional techniques. So you're not really, uh, how should I say this, you're not really forcing anything uh, unnecessary or new there. You're really kind of working in this continuum of traditional techniques, and that was something that was super, super fascinating for me, and really the it's all, everything that they do is handmade by these artisans, by these women, and it's just... It's just really remarkable to see what they're available to do by hand. This
1: collab is set to be released uh, early next year. And for Latimer, we saw you on the runway in Copenhagen during Fashion Week as part of the New Talents program. How's it going with the brand?
4: I mean, we're happy to say that keeping busy. I mean, the reception for the uh, SS24 collection that we presented in Copenhagen has been super, super positive. now we're hard at work with the sales for the collection, and kind of uh, uh, really excited about the opp- opportunities that we have we have uh, have presented for us now.
1: Will you work together with even more Finnish lifestyle brands in collaborations?
4: Well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm never saying no. I'm always curious. I mean, I don't. I'm very. S- specific with who I work with there are certain types of values and certain types of opportunity that's really really important for me and there's no need to rush it if that makes sense so I, I love this collaboration that I now have with Mifuko for example with the jewelry we work with another brand called Ida Impact that's from Helsinki they work with immigrant women also so they only provide all of the jewelry is made by the immigrant women that have uh, moved to Finland so we're very proud of the kind of really strong value base that we have with the collaborations, and there's no rush. Uh, it's a, a lot of these collaborations about like finding slower and meaningful ways to create things, and kind of find expertise that we don't yet have that someone else has, and they're doing it in a very exceptional way. All right, that was
0: Ervin Latimer, uh, Finnish designer and founder of the fashion brand Latimer. Johan, we're going to end with a, a bit of a longer discussion. I think the, the longer, longest interview you did was with Casper Vissers, CEO of Basta. Uh, maybe we should introduce this company for, for people who don't know about it.
1: They launched um, almost two years ago. And mm. uh, they're an industry disruptor in several ways, which Kasper will, uh, will mention uh, in the interview. And uh, in a very traditional uh, sector, uh, two years uh, ago, uh, uh, what they did uh, with the, yeah, modular systems in order to improve transportation of the furniture products was back then uh, quite disruptive. But now we've, of course, uh, had a development, so they need to um, improve their business in order to stay disruptive, so to say. Interesting stuff. We had a guided tour um, at uh, Habitare. And what struck me when we were visiting uh, Basta is like a memory from maybe uh, four or five years ago before the pandemic at Stockholm Furniture Fair, where we saw mm. uh, a pr- prominent designer Alexander Lervik, one of the leading names in Scandinavia, uh, present a concept for Design House Stockholm which was uh, based on uh, creating local hubs for uh, production. So, so the point was that uh, Leirvik uh, presented uh, a quite, yeah, let's call it simple piece of furniture, which uh, wasn't that advanced to produce. And the idea was to, to open uh, hubs across the world where local craftsmen uh, could uh, quite easily uh, help the local market, the, the local consumers, uh, to make this uh, piece of uh, furniture. Uh, it turned mm-hmm. out, uh, from what I've heard, that it was quite uh, yeah tricky when it comes to logistics to create such hubs. But uh, as so many other times, the Finns are leading. So, um, yeah, the next step for Busta in order to stay disruptive is to open local... So-called
0: ateliers. Fascinating stuff. Okay, let's hear it from Kasper Visser's CEO of Basta.
1: How would you describe uh, Basta? You're quite special in uh, a quite traditional industry.
5: Yeah, Basta is is the name Basta. Of course, we know Basta pasta, we know Basta pizza. There's many, many uh, companies who use the name Basta. But in the furniture world, it's not used, in the whole interior industry, it's not used. Obviously, BASTA means, okay, let's stop this bullshit, basically. So it's a bit of an aggressive name as well, where we say, okay, fashion in, uh, furniture industry, let's please not only talk about making green products, but also really look at the way we produce things we design things, we produce things, we distribute we distribute things, it's all really one big game. So Basta you should see as a new product, not the sofa, but the company. And basically Basta quits with the distance of, let's say, with shipping sofas all over the world. Because the, the sofa is the most environmental, unfriendly object of the home because of material choices, foams and stuff, but more because of the large cubic meters they consume in sea ship containers and trucks on the road. Um, So by bringing the sofa close to the people who could purchase the sofa, meaning in Helsinki we, we make the Basta sofa, and it's sold in a circle around the main capital here. Uh, let's say of 200 kilometers. If someone wants it from the north of Finland, of course, we still help, we, 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 we should not, how do you say, we would love to have uh, different shops in the north as well, but that's way too far to think at the moment. So let's say per country, to start with, one basta uh, atelier we call it, where we make the sofas ourselves and sell them in that market and bring them to the consumer with our own van. The persons who make the sofa also deliver the sofa. It's all this there's a lot of elements. It's not it's not it's also nice for the people, colleagues who work at Basta that they are proud of what they make and if they arrive at the consumer, the client that they can say yeah, I really make this for you myself. <laughs> all these connections between making and delivering we like to embrace so the whole company is the product Basta. And we think we could Keep concentrating on sofa and a few other products around, like a little table here connected to the sofa. yeah, that's uh, in hindsight what the company is about and why we think we can make a difference. Yeah.
1: And the plan now is to expand this concept quite aggressively, you have to say yeah. w- what does the what do the next coming years uh, look like?:
5: Yeah, well. First and foremost, we need to make sure that the first two, which are now based, so which are founded, the one in Helsinki and one in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, these two need to be profitable, let's say. But we are, we can see already that we will be profitable at a certain stage. So we are looking for the next countries to open, uh, but it will be in Europe. So we will build approximately 20 cities. 20 countries within the next five years. And then the five years after, another 50. And that means we would have in 10 years time, 70 countries where we make and sell and deliver our sofas.
1: When you increase the production, you also increase the emissions, of course. What, what's your view on this?
5: Yeah, good question. Um, we do increase, well, let's say like this, each sofa sold by Basta, versus any other, makes a hell of a difference on the impact on the CO2 output of that product. How? Well, because we we don't have to uh, ship, for instance, from Asia to Holland to distribute the sofa, which most Scandinavian design companies do. They say that they are selling Scandinavian design, but what they basically mean is that they are shipping Uh, products which are designed in Scandinavia, they ship them into Scandinavia and then they sell them as Scandinavian designs. So it's a bit tricky. Um, In our case, we don't ship at all. We purchase the raw materials close by. If we open London, we will purchase the materials in England. If we open in New York, we will purchase the materials at that distributor over there. We might use different plywood, the plywood which comes from the US. Here we use birch because it comes from the Ukraine and it comes from the top of Finland. So where we are, we purchase the the materials locally. So to give you the answer uh, on the question, where do we make difference? If we add all those components together, plus the materials, you sit here on a fabric which is 100% recycled Coca-Cola bottles or other PET bottles. Okay. you sit on a structure of birch wood which will be there in 50 years time Uh, the product is washable in your own washing machine so this cover can be dirty and you wash it and you have a sort of a new cover unless you throw a glass of red wine over your white sofa even then our fabrics don't are not happy but then you can purchase only that part because it's a modular system and then in the end, if we ship it towards the clients, we ship it with an electrical van, with our own staff, um, and we don't have packaging. We have um, bags with the zippers. We zip the bag open, we put in the module, we zip it back, we bring it to the client In their home, we zip it off again and bring it to the Helsinki warehouse again. So there's no packaging involved. So all those elements together really did fight the distribution of design products in particular sofas
1: it's of course uh, it, it might be more expensive for you to use local raw materials instead of from um, a country far away but you can also cut costs
5: can you make a profit of this uh, business model yeah okay we did make our calculations we, we hope we <laughs> let's say like this um, this may be a nice, another nice thing to, uh, to communicate with you the price which you see here in the stand uh, are more or less half the price of all the European, let's say Scandinavian and Italian design manufacturers. Uh, because we produce ourselves and the whole trade is not in between no agents, no importers, no retailers. All that margin we give to the end consumer. So that's why an average so far at Basta is 3,000, whereas the Other colleague sofas are between six and seven thousand. And still, we are able to make a profit. It doesn't matter if our materials are a little bit more expensive, because we don't have the extreme volumes, for instance, for 70 countries. It doesn't come from one central place where it's purchased from. We purchased our materials from 70 different uh, distributors. So yes, more expensive but it fits the mo- business model we there's still now space to uh, become a profitable company.
0: All right, that was Kasper Vissers and our last interview from Helsinki Design Week in this episode. Uh, just as a parting words you want are there any, anything else you've experienced or felt or uh, seen during the design week that you kind of uh, that's you know kind of is memorizing from a personal point of view?
1: so many new names they have great uh, universities and design schools and uh, a lot of local talent and then of course it remains to be seen whether those talents will go abroad or uh, create their own studio or uh, become um, uh, yeah t- hired by the bigger brands so it's not uh, certain that they will uh, stay in the industry uh, with their own uh, brands and uh, speaking of um, new generation Uh, what's quite fascinating for me of course they have awards here in finland just like in any other country but perhaps not so many or as prominent as in other countries and my reflection on this is that they focus on working they don't need any awards in order to like uh, stay motivated Uh, perhaps Perhaps I'm wrong here, but it's just it, it just struck me the other day, like uh, the, the focus is on the working. But uh, then, of course, um, um, they, uh, they they uh, handed out the Helsinki Design Award to Arabia Comprehensive School, where mm. design and architecture education uh, starts from the first grade. So um, uh, it's in their blood, literally in their DNA, and um, the the city they use to communicate uh, how design can uh, Uh, create uh, a good everyday life and uh, after all i'm here in uh, the country that's been uh, uh, awarded the happiest country in the world for um, i don't know how many consecutive years so it seems to work obviously
0: well they're all about walking the walk uh, rather than talking the talk in helsinki joan thank you so much for doing this report from helsinki design week and before we close out, we, of course, have to uh, plug our string of newsletters that's coming out of Scandinavian Mind right now. Of course, we have a regular newsletter coming out two times a week where you get all the news, updates, podcasts, and event invitations where you sign up at com slash newsletter. We also have our new verticals, uh, Beauty Innovation, run by you, Uh Our paid newsletter, paid insights newsletter, um, uh, you can find that at scanlavingmind.com slash innovation. Uh, all the insights and invites to upcoming events coming your way there. And we have my own newsletter, my own weekly column called Observations. Uh, you'll find that on our website as well. This has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Until next week, bye. Bye.